Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Good. Well, it's good to be together and it's good to worship together. We're going to dive in to the Bible. Could someone just grab me a glass of water? Is that all right? Sorry, I forgot to get one. We love the Bible here at Hope Church. Uh, not just because it's a good book, but because it's a living and a powerful book. Uh, we believe that the Bible is set apart. See you, Rupert. Bless you, mate. What a lad. What a brilliant lad. Great lad. Such a great lad. Love him. In fact, I learned something this week. I don't know if you knew it, but I've um, been going for a little alpha course with some of the guys here. Did you know that every single week, the Bible is the biggest selling book? in the world. Did you know that? Every single week. So much so that they don't even include it in the bestseller lists anymore because it's just got silly. It's just like the Bible, the Bible, the Bible every week. So they take it out. But every week, the Bible is, thank you mate, the Bible is the best selling book across the world. And that's because it's a living book. It's a powerful book. And uh, it's a gift to us. And we're going to dive into it this morning together. And I pray that as we share a few, as I share a few words that God, by his spirit, would encounter us together and as individuals. We're going to dive into a story that involves one of the Old Testament characters, a character called Jacob. Jacob had a... Well, if there was any story that was true of anyone in the Bible that demonstrated God's reckless pursuing love, I think it was Jacob. Jacob was an interesting character. You are probably... Most of you, at least, are probably really familiar with Jacob, uh, a really interesting character. In many ways, well, he is one of the fathers of our faith, right? He's one of the fathers of our faith. And actually, he's one of the heroes of our faith as well. Um, but he was a really complex guy. And this will encourage you, a deeply flawed man. Deeply flawed had some glaring weaknesses, had some deep, deep emotional struggles. But yet God still used him in a profound and powerful way. And if it wasn't for Jacob, you and I wouldn't be here this morning singing about God's reckless love. Isn't it encouraging that God uses deeply flawed people to move forward his purpose? That's encouraging, isn't it? Should be, because I am a deeply flawed person and uh, so are you, <laughs> and so are you. Um, but Jacob, an amazing character, and he had a powerful encounter with God that transformed his life. You can read the story of Jacob in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and most of the story is contained between chapters 25 and 35. We're not going to read all of that together this morning, so I'm just going to try and fill you in on bits of the story that are important. But I'd encourage you to go away and read the story of Jacob. But what we discover about Jacob is that he was a deeply flawed man who carried with him some deep emotional wounds and insecurities. Anyone in this room been there? Emotional wounds and insecurities. Yeah, so we're, this story is relevant to us. Even though it's thousands of years old, it's relevant to us. You see, Jacob was a twin. He had a brother called Esau. And uh, Esau, of the two twins, Esau was the one who was born first. Which meant that Esau had the title of the firstborn son. 
Now that might not mean much to us in our time and place, but in the Bible, in the ancient world, being the firstborn son was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. If you were the firstborn child in a family, if you were the firstborn child in a family, you were essentially the most important child in that family. You were in the privileged position. It was the firstborn child who took the lion's share of any inheritance that was passed down from the parents. It was the firstborn child who took on all the responsibility of the parents, took on all the authority of the parents, and it was the firstborn child's job to make sure the legacy and the family name continued through the generations. So to be the firstborn child was a big deal. And that position belonged to Esau, not Jacob. So Esau was the most important person in this family. Now Jacob struggled with this. He struggled with the idea that he was playing second fiddle to his brother. Maybe some of you in this room know what that's like, to play second fiddle to a sibling. Just maybe you understand what that's like. But Jacob struggled with it. And he carried some deep insecurities around it. And so as you read his story, what you begin to discover is that the struggle was so deep that Jacob spent lots of his life and lots of his energy trying to become number one. Trying to usurp the privilege and the blessing and the favor of his elder brother. In fact, from the very beginning, we're told that even in the womb of their mother, these two twins were wrestling with one another, even in their womb. And we're told that when the time came for them to be born, Esau came out first, hence why he's the firstborn son. But as Jacob came out after, we're told that Jacob was grabbing on to the heel of his elder brother. It's almost like from the earliest moments of his life, Jacob was trying to get ahead trying to become number one, trying to pull back his brother and trying to get himself into the position of authority. And this was a struggle that marked Jacob's life for decades. It's not really surprising that Jacob struggled with this insecurity because as you read the story, what you discover, and again, I'm not going to read it, but you can read it at home, but... These two twin brothers were very different. We're told in the scriptures that Esau, he was like a man's man, right? He liked hunting. He was an outdoors kind of guy. He would kill and eat, you know, mm, man's man. You know, a bit like me, really, you know. <laughs> uh, Jacob was very different, maybe even opposite. We're told that Jacob was a quiet and a timid and a shy man. And he was, he didn't like the outdoors much. He was more of an indoors kind of guy, a bit of a mummy's boy, really. And so these two twins were very different. And because they were so different, we're told very explicitly in the story that their father, his name was Isaac, a really important figure in the Bible story. Their father, we're told, loved 
Esau more than he loved Jacob. His own dad loved his elder brother more than he loved him. That's a difficult thing to face, friends. And there's probably one, two, maybe even more of us in this room who know what it is to feel loved less by your parents than one of your siblings. It's a difficult thing to face. And Jacob had to carry that anguish with him through his life. And so it's not surprising that he spent all of his time trying to usurp his brother, trying to jostle for position to become number one. And what you understand as you read the story is that Jacob would do anything. He'd do anything to, to get himself into number one's position. He would lie, he would cheat, he would steal, he would deceive. In fact, the name Jacob, did you know, it means deceiver. His very name means deceiver. It means cheat. It means scoundrel. It means, it means heel grabber. That was Jacob's name. And he certainly lived up to the meaning of his name because for, for much of his life, he was a cheat. He was a scoundrel. He didn't mind who he trod on. He just wanted to get ahead. He wanted to become number one and he would do whatever it took to get ahead. It's not surprising, really, when you think about the fact that his dad loved his brother more than him. Maybe we're a little bit hard on Jacob at times. Maybe the reason Jacob was such a cheat, such a scoundrel, such a deceiver, maybe it's not because he was greedy. Maybe it's not because he was proud. Maybe it's not because he was, like, zealously ambitious. Maybe it's not because he had a big ego. Maybe it's because he was just deeply insecure. Maybe he just wanted the love and the affection and the attention of his father. And so he did whatever he could to get it. I think many of us behave in a similar way, you know. We long for the affection of a parent figure. We long for the attention of someone of worth. We long to be valued. We long to be considered significant and special. And when we don't feel like that, sometimes it drives us to do things that we don't really want to do. But that longing is so deeply ingrained within us that we'll do whatever it takes to get the affection and the attention and the value and the blessing that we so crave. Maybe Jacob's not such a bad guy after all. Maybe he's just a deeply wounded guy. You know, I remember reading a, an interview some years ago with Elton John. You know Elton John? This famous musician, incredibly successful, incredibly wealthy, has awards after award, number one singles, sold millions of albums, got all the money that he could possibly wish for. And I remember reading an interview just some years ago, and he said this. He said, all of my career, everything I've achieved, the reason I've done it, it's because I want the approval of my dad. He had a really painful relationship with his dad. And towards the end of his career, he looks back over everything he's achieved and says, none of that was about money or fame or success. It was all simply just trying to get my dad 
to accept and affirm and approve. Amazing. That was Jacob, right? That was Jacob. That was Jacob's struggle. He just wanted his dad's acceptance and his dad's affirmation. Well, this all came to a head in chapter 27. We're going to read some bits of the Bible together. So dive into chapter 27 of Genesis. And uh, at this particular point in the story, Isaac, the dad, is about to die. And at that time, and in, in that culture, when the dad was about to die, there would be a moment, a ceremony, if you like, where the dad would pass the blessing on to the firstborn son. It was a profound moment where the blessing and the family name and the favor of the dad would be transferred from him to the firstborn son. And that was about to happen. And Jacob spotted an opportunity to get the blessing and the affirmation that he'd always longed for. Because at this time, the dad, Isaac, could no longer see. He'd become blind. And so Jacob spotted an opportunity to finally get his hands on the blessing that he wanted. To finally become number one in the family line. And this is what happened. Let's read it together. Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebecca took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac, the dad, liked it. Then she, that is the mum, she took Esau's, remember Esau's the firstborn, she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and she gave them to the younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. And then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. Father, he said, yes, my son, Isaac answered, who are you? Esau or Jacob? And Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you've told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father, and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau? Isaac asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and he blessed his son. Jacob had finally received the blessing that he had longed for his whole life. He'd finally received the approval and the affection of his father that was so lacking in the rest of his life. He'd finally managed to make his way 
to the number one spot in the family. Jacob deceived his father and he finally got his blessing by pretending to be someone else. It's an interesting little story, isn't it? Here's Jacob's craving the blessing of his father, craving the same level of attention and affection as his elder brother received from his father. And he finally gets it by pretending to be someone he's not. I just wonder if this is a little picture of the struggle that we all have to work through. I just wonder if this is a little picture of the behavior that invades our own lives from time to time. We long to be recognized, don't we? We crave affection. We crave significance. We want someone of worth to speak a word of blessing over us. We want someone who's important in our lives to speak a word of favor, to express some level of love and significance and and, and a, a sense of being favored and special. And we will do whatever we need to do to get that from time to time, even if it means... Pretending to be somebody we're not, right? That's the way we behave, don't we? Maybe not in our family situation, but in other situations we do, right? We want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We want to be affirmed. We want to be approved. And so we speak a certain way. We behave a certain way. When we're around one group of people, we dress up in a particular way. We say the right things. We look the right way. We do what we need to do in order to receive the attention and the affection and the acceptance of the people around us but maybe the following day we're in another group of people and we behave a slightly different way because we need to to receive their affection and their attention and their acceptance right and so we come to church on a Sunday and we want to be accepted by our church family so we say the right things we look the right way we sing the right songs we behave in the right way just because we want to be accepted by our church family but then maybe we go and spend some time with other people the following day and they're not church family and to be accepted by them we've got to do something different i've got to become someone else to be accepted by them and maybe we go through our life just changing who we are in order to receive the affirmation and the acceptance of the people around us. Maybe we're not all that different from this really troubled guy, Jacob. Just maybe. See, Jacob was just craving for the approval and the blessing of his father. And he did whatever he did. He did whatever he needed to do to get it, even if it meant Deceiving his father and pretending to be someone else, he did it. And he got the blessing of his father. Now, when Esau found out, and I'm filling in the story for you now, right? When Esau found out what Jacob had done, the way he deceived his dad and betrayed his brother, when Esau found out, he was boiling, he was fuming. So much so that he resolved in his heart to kill his twin brother. <laughs> the Bible is raw, man. There's some raw stories in the Bible. Right? Forget reading, forget watching, you know, Jeremy Carl. Just read the Bible, right? You're gonna find your, your, your fair share of dysfunction there, right? You're gonna find it there. But Esau, Esau, Esau was boiling. 
He was fuming with what his brother did, and so he resolved to kill him. Now, Jacob found out that Esau wanted to kill him, and so what happened was Jacob ran away from his mom, his dad, and his brother. He ran away, and for 21 years, 21 years, Jacob and his family were estranged from one another. 21 years. And lots happened in those 20 years. We don't have time to go in it, but basically Jacob carried on deceiving people, carried on trying to gain the acceptance and the approval of anyone who was around him, carried on cheating, carried on being a scoundrel. But 21 years later, events transpired, and in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is making his way back to where his family home was. He's making his way back to meet again the brother who he was estranged from, the brother who last time he saw him wanted to kill him. And Jacob is making his way back to his hometown. And on the way back, Jacob finds out that his brother is actually coming to meet him. And he finds out that his brother is not alone. In fact, his brother's got 400 other men with him. Remember the last time these two brothers were together, Esau wanted to kill (laughs) Jacob. And now they're making their way towards one another, and Esau is coming with 400 other men. So you can imagine how Jacob's feeling, right? You can imagine how Jacob is feeling. In fact, in the Bible it says that on his way back to meet his brother again, Jacob was feeling terrified and dismayed. You can imagine what it might be like to meet your brother who wants to kill you, the brother you've cheated, the brother you've betrayed. You can imagine how Jacob must have been feeling. But Jacob comes to a point in his journey and it's dark and it's late at night and he's all alone and he sends his family on ahead of him. And uh, we get this amazing moment in Genesis 32 where we're told that Jacob is all alone in the dark, in the fear and in the distress. All alone in the dark, fearful and distressed. That's where Jacob was. And we're told that God meets Jacob in a really powerful way. Listen to what happens. Jacob was left all alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. It's a bizarre little moment. He's in the dark and he's wrestling with this man. And this man touches his hip. And as he touches his hip, his hip is wrenched from its socket. I think in that moment, Jacob must have realized that this was no ordinary man that he was wrestling with. I mean, what kind of man can pull a hip out of its joint just by touching it, right? What kind of man can do that? That's what the Bible says. This man just touched his hip and it came out of its socket. It didn't say he hit it, it didn't say he kicked it, it didn't say he wrestled him to the ground and pulled his leg out. No, he just touched his hip 
And as he touched it, his hip was put out of joint. What kind of man has the power to do that? I think in this moment, Jacob realized that this was no ordinary man he was wrestling. I think Jacob realized in this moment that this man was extraordinary. In fact, I think Jacob realized in this moment that this was none other than God himself who was wrestling with him. Let's read on. The man said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Unless you bless me. Here he is, Jacob wrestling with this God man. And what Jacob wants is a blessing. What Jacob wants is a blessing. And then the man asked him, what is your name? It's interesting, isn't it? Because Jacob's been in this position before, hasn't he? 21 years previous, Jacob was searching for a blessing. And 21 years previous, Jacob was looking for a blessing from his father. And just like in this particular encounter, 21 years previous, his father said to him, what's your name? And 21 years previous, Jacob said, my name is Esau. And he got the blessing on the basis of who somebody else was. But now here's Jacob 21 years later, and he's in a similar situation. He's pursuing a blessing. He's fighting for a blessing. And the one who could give him that blessing says, what's your name? Jacob says, Jacob. Jacob's my name. You see, I think something had changed in Jacob in the 20 intervening years. I think something had changed. You see, for most of his life, Jacob had been deceiving and cheating, basically trying to present a version of himself that wasn't true to who he really was. But in this moment, as he's wrestling for a blessing and as God asks him what his name is, Jacob decides to get real. Rather than pretend to be someone else, Jacob just says, I'm Jacob. That's who I am. Yeah, I'm Jacob. I'm the cheat. I'm the deceiver. I'm the scoundrel. I'm the heel grabber. I'm the one who will walk over anyone to get whatever I need. That's who I am. I am Jacob. No lies, no deceit, no trickery, just brutal, raw, and painful honesty. Jacob is who I am. It's a powerful story, but I think it's so helpful to us when we think about our own internal struggles with insecurity, when we think about the depths of our own cravings for love and affection and blessing, when we think about our own behavior where we're so predisposed to try and be somebody else, to get the acceptance and the approval of someone that we value. And here's Jacob wrestling with the angel. And maybe living like that is a bit of a wrestling match for us. It's exhausting, isn't it? Trying to be somebody else, right? 
Isn't that a tiring thing? Isn't that a tiring way to live your life? Always trying to present a version for yourself that isn't actually authentic. Always trying to live for the approval and the blessing and the value and the significance of others. Always trying to be something that you're not. That's an exhausting way to live your life. It's a bit like wrestling. Like wrestling's exhausting and painful and it hurts. That's a bit like what it's like trying to live for the approval of somebody else. It's exhausting because we can never actually measure up. And I think what Jacob had discovered in this moment was that all of his life, he wasn't wrestling with himself. All of his pursuit of trying to live up, match up, fix up, be who he is, and all of his life he was just simply wrestling with God and all God wanted from Jacob was for Jacob to be honest about who he really was and it's the same for us friends it's the same for us all God really wants from you and I is for us to be honest and real about who we really are do you know why? Because it's you that God wants to bless. It's you that God loves. It's you who God values more than you can possibly imagine. It's you as you are, who you are, where you are. It's you that God truly loves. Not some future better version of yourself. That's not who God loves. It's you. As you are, where you are, what you are, how you are. It's you right now in this moment who God loves, who God treasures, who God wants to pour blessing upon. It's you. And so when you come to God, you don't need to try and pretend to be Esau. You don't need to try and pretend to be a better version of yourself. It's you. You just got to be real with God. Jacob's who I am. Phil is who I am. That's who I am, God. I'm Phil. I'm the one who has deep insecurities. I'm the one who has deep emotional wounds. I'm the one who struggles with this and that. I'm the one who tries to, 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 to gain other people's approval by being something. That's who I am. That's what God wants from us. He wants you. He wants to bless you. And that's what Jacob came to realize. And I believe this moment for Jacob was a profound moment of release. I believe in this moment, even though his hip was put out of joint and he was probably in a lot of physical pain, I believe that in this moment the emotional pain that Jacob had carried for much of his life was suddenly healed as he got real with God. Let's read on. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he 
blessed him there. Jacob finally got the blessing. Jacob got the blessing. Jacob, not fake Jacob. Jacob got the blessing. He came to God and he'd finally found the courage to be honest with God about who he was and God blessed him there. And when we come to God and get honest and real and raw and brutal about who we truly are before God, God pours out a blessing upon us. Not to say that God loves everything, you know, that, that, that we engage. Not to say that God particularly loves you know, all the ways that we think, because some of the ways that we think and behave are harmful. Not to say that God loves all the things we do, but he loves all that we are, even with all of our flaws and brokenness and sinfulness. God loves us and values us. And when we get real with God about who we truly are, he pours out a blessing upon us. But guess what? He doesn't leave us where we are. You see, this is what happened with Jacob. He said, I'm Jacob. And God said, no, you're not. Now you've finally been real with me. I'll tell you who you are. You're Israel. That's who you are. You're the father of a mighty nation. You're a hero of the faith. You're the father of the Messiah who would come forth and redeem the whole world. That's who you see what happens when we get real with God about who we truly are. I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the schemer. I'm the hill grabber. No, you're not. You're Israel now. I'm going to take all of your dysfunction and brokenness. I'm going to use it to produce something beautiful. But God can only do that in our lives when we get real with him about who we truly are. When we get real with him about all of our brokenness and all of our fears and all of our insecurities and all of the deceit and the twistedness that exists in our hearts. When we get real with God about who we truly are, then in that moment, God says, I'm going to redeem all that you are and you're going to become something wonderful and beautiful beautiful and amazing. I'm going to use you to bless the world. Who are you this morning? God's saying, who actually are you? Don't tell me some fake version of yourself. Tell me who you really are. Because when you tell me who you really are, I'm going to bless you in that place. And I'm going to transform who you really are. And when that happens, you won't need to strive. You won't need to rush around trying to earn the approval and the acceptance of people in your life. Because when you receive the blessing of God upon you, nothing else matters. When God speaks his word of blessing over you, that's enough. That's enough. And so perhaps you feel a bit like Jacob this morning. Perhaps you feel like you've been wrestling with God. Perhaps you feel like you're so exhausted by trying to measure up, live up, fix up, Be someone you're not. Maybe you feel exhausted this morning. Maybe you feel like you're wrestling with God. Well, I want to tell you that God actually knows, right? God knows what it feels like to wrestle with God. I know that sounds weird, but God knows what it's like to wrestle with God. Because let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus who, on the night before he was crucified, he himself, just like Jacob, was alone and in the dark. And he was wrestling with God. He was wrestling with God. As he contemplated what it meant to walk in obedience to God's will. And Jesus in the darkness and in the loneliness, he wrestled with God and he he wrestled so hard that his face began to sweat drops of blood. 
And Jesus says, God, is there any other way for this to happen? And Jesus says, but it's not my will, but it's your will. See, God knows what it's like to wrestle with God. You know, Jacob wrestled with God to obtain a blessing for himself. But, you know, Jesus wrestled with God not to obtain a blessing for himself. Do you know why he wrestled with God? To obtain a blessing for you. And you. And you. And you. That's why Jesus wrestled with God. To obtain a blessing for us. So that we wouldn't have to be Jacobs who live our life trying to be something we're not. Jesus wrestled so that we could be who we truly were. Who God had made us to be. Could be loved and valued and accepted as we were. That's why Jesus wrestled with God and he did it for you and he did it for me. And we're going to come in these moments as we close to remember that especially around this table this table that reminds us of God's wrestling match with God this reminds us of God's wrestling match with God Jesus wrestled with God so that you and I needn't wrestle with God Jesus wrestled with God so that you and I could rest in God. And that's what this table, part of at least what this table represents. It represents the glorious truth that you and I can rest. We can rest because God has spoken his word of blessing over us. No matter how we feel today, no matter how flawed we may think we are, no matter what struggles exist, in our inner life, no matter what battles we're facing, we can rest in God because through the cross, Jesus has spoken his word. God has spoken his word of blessing upon us. And so as we finish now, um, I'm just going to invite you to receive. I'm going to invite you to receive the bread and the cup. And as you do that, I just want to invite you to hear God's word spoken over you. You are mine. You are loved. You are significant. You are accepted. You are blessed. I want you to hear God speaking that over you this morning as you receive the bread and the cup. So let me pray.